Is that better? Oh, that's way too better. <laughs> so my name is uh, Jim Ward. And uh, you may have seen me uh, sitting in a pew there uh, fairly regularly for the last several months. I'm very grateful to be asked to share the word with you today. And uh, I want to uh, start by pointing out where we are. I don't mean this particular space physically or architecturally. I mean a time architecture. That is to say, we are in deep Lent. Now, I don't know what Lent is like in your life. And most of us have sort of let Lent go one way or another. We may have given up something until it appears to be available to us and then we go for it any number of ways that we do maybe we take on some reading or something like this but for us Lent often is something we do or choose to do or choose not to do but the truth is that Lent is really something that happens to you it's something we all undergo it's a little bit like spring in that sense and we notice it occasionally. And so letting go of our, our need to do something, but simply noticing Lent is really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how God didn't so love the world because he loved it so much, but rather he so loved the world in that he loved it in just this way, in such a way. He so loved it that he gave his only son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish. So that self-giving, God giving his own self, is what God's love is about. God's love has a kind of dynamic to it. It's a sort of architecture, a shape. And that shape has specifically to do with self-giving, with going out of your way, with letting go of your own priorities on behalf of another. Because that's what God did for us. And if we can simply let that sink into us, if we can begin to notice it around us, that's what Lent can be for us. Lent, of course, also was the time when candidates for holy baptism, adult candidates for holy baptism, were in their final preparation for their baptism at the Easter Vigil. Now, this is another thing that's pretty much gone by the wayside. Not too many of us even know anyone who's been baptized as an adult, let alone that's gone through the catechumenal preparation. But in that classic preparation, which actually um, was begun by St. Cyril, whose feast day was yesterday, in that classic preparation of all adults for baptism, which became the kind of model for Lent later on, these last three Sundays before Holy Week were 
special Sundays. They were called the scrutiny Sundays because on these Sundays, the people who were being prepared for baptism at the vigil were brought forward before the whole congregation, had hands laid on them, were anointed with oil and signified, sig signed with the cross, and they were often given a gift. And the gift was a memento, a mnemonic device, if you will, a something that if they saw, it would not only remind them of itself, but it would also remind them of their own baptism and the process of being inducted into the body of Christ that the catechumen it meant. So often they would be given a carefully calligraphed, frameable or framed version of the Apostles' Creed, the baptismal creed, or they would be given a framed copy of the Our Father that they could hang up to remind them. And sometimes they were given a cross. Well, so today I have a gift for you. <laughs> I hope it's all right. I would like to give you this plaque, which was given to me years ago by someone I worked in San Quentin with. And it says on it, very simply, we love because first, he loved us. We could say, we love because she first loved us. God loved us, and that gives us the capacity to love. Love is not something you may know that... Um, that uh, comes naturally. Uh, there's a certain kind of love, you know, filial love, er erotic love that does come naturally, but the kind of love that's God's love for us is something we have to be moved to be involved in by God herself. And this is what I think this Sunday is about. This Sunday is about the divine lover and how that lover loves us. Because if we recognize that we have been forgiven and we have been and are being loved by God, then we can begin to develop a capacity to love people who in our lives appear unlovable. Now, in my experience, that's usually your family members, but let's just say somebody on the street, it could be anybody like that. People who, for us, are beyond love. But be, we, by recognizing that God showed his love for us by first loving us, by giving himself in the form of his son, to die on our behalf, to die instead of us, we can begin find the divine power to love. Now, you know, uh, one way I think that we can understand what this love is really all about 
is by sitting quietly and imagining ourselves or experiencing ourselves in the regard of God. I mean, that's really what prayer is. Prayer is coming into the presence of God and recognizing that God is gazing on us, looking on us with love, not with judgment or anger or disappointment, but with love. So God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. What I'm suggesting is that this passage is not just for reading at weddings where it seems to mean the husband ought to be this way toward the wife or the wife ought to be this way toward the husband, but really it's about how God is loving us. And what I, The way I conclude a wedding homily is always to say, because it's only if you know yourself to be loved that you can find the strength to give and receive love to one another. And all of us who've been married know that, that there's a lot of truth in that. It's only when we recognize that God loves us, that God has given himself on our behalf for our interests, that we can set those interests aside on behalf of another. So sitting in wondering what it's like God does not rejoice at wrongdoing ours or anybody else's toward us God simply rejoices in the truth that's the kind of love that is God as the letter to John says God is love now so I think it's really about receiving a gift I made a cursio uh, a friend of mine made a Curcio weekend one time, and, and an older lady whose husband <clears throat> was something of a curmudgeon, wouldn't have anything to do with this, they had to make special dispensation so she could go to the Curcio without her husband, and she went. And when she, she said, you know, I used to hate Monday night football because I felt like I lost my husband for three hours. But you know, when I came back from Curcio, I decided to sit on the couch next to him and watch the football game. I said, really? She said, you know what I discovered? I used to want to be a quarterback, but now I just want to be a wide receiver. <laughs> so that's our role. Our role is to receive the love of God and then to discover that that love is somehow or other being reproduced in us and ministering to other people. You know, this, this, uh, the new commandment, uh, uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you in John's gospel. Well, you might ask yourself, a new command? What do we need a new commandment for? We already have 365. What need is there for a new commandment? Because we have this idea that we have to come up with, the, with that strength on our own dime. But God's love for us 
the gift God gave us is what, in fact, motivates and empowers any love that we might have. So when you feel yourself strained and want to love somebody but who doesn't seem to be that kind of person, just sit with it for a bit. Sit with it for a bit. I, uh, I, some of my best friends are people who care for people with dementia. And I don't know if you have any clue what that's like. I imagine that many of you have a better clue about it than you wish you did. It's a terrible thing. The person who cares for someone with dementia typically uh, dies before the person they're caring for. 65% more likely. And how do they find what they need to love someone who isn't even there anymore, who's hardly the person they recognize, who's new every time they meet him or her. How do they do that? Well, I don't know, but that's what the caregiver support group that I'm involved in tries to figure out on each, for each person. How can you experience love for someone who aggravates you to death. So our love is something that God has given us from heaven in order for us to be able to share with others. It's not our own. And that sharing of that love it makes us a gift like this was a gift from my friend, a kind of reminder that God loves the person that we're trying to love. We don't have to say anything. It's always better if we don't say anything. But if we simply love them. And being a reminder of that gift is really precisely what we do every Sunday when we come here and receive the bread and wine at the Eucharist. It's God we receive. It's the love of God that we consume. It's the love of God that we take with us when we leave and that stays with us on our journey wherever we go. So God loved the world in such a way that he gave us that whoever meets us might know the love of God. 